Welcome to another fine episode of the High Performance Artist. I'm your host, Richie Bailey, and we're going to be going into some really, really cool stuff today. I hope you've got your pencil, your paper, your iPad, or whatever device you might want to use, or you might just be chilling with some tea, or you might be drawing with me. Whatever it is, kick back, relax. We're going to be going through today's topic, which is providing value to the audience that you serve. And yes, I think everything is about serving the audience, even though we love what we do or we love to hate what we do, depending on where you are on the creative spectrum. Um, being a creative person is being a servant to the audience. Uh, and I think I want to go a bit deeper into that because that might make absolutely no sense. Like, how how is it that when I draw on a piece of paper... I'm a servant to people. That doesn't even make sense. I dare to say that you are wrong. And let me tell you why I am right. <laughs> Don't we all always want to be right, right? When you draw something, I think there is a part of us that wants other people to like what we draw. Now, some of us are more artistically mature than others, meaning... Some might be at that level where we kind of don't mind what people think. We like what we do and the way that we do things is pretty fine with us. I really don't plan to change anytime soon. Fine. You know, I respect that hustle, as the kids say. But I think there's another side of us that we should recognize, which is it's a healthy side of we want whatever we create to be accepted because there is kind of a validation that's, I think, okay to have in a healthy respect. Um, because there is so much blood, sweat, and tears that goes into what we create. I think it's good to understand what resonates more with people and what resonates less with people. And that also kind of aligns with your goals, right? If your goal is to make money with your artwork or your creative process or your craft, then you kind of don't have a choice. If people really, 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 really like what you do, then they'll probably want to pay for it. If the stuff that you do could, you know, kind of get thrown into the trash bin, not really cared about, people don't really care, and, you know, you've been doing it for a couple months or a couple years and you don't really seem to be getting any traction, maybe something should change. If your goal is to make some money and possibly, you know, either have a side income from it or make it your full-time income. And I'm going to kind of show you why. And just to kind of respect if you're listening to this for the first time, we're going through a series, uh, we're going through a book called The Mental Game of Writing. And as I was reading that book, I got a, a lot of ideas. It actually reinvigorated uh, a good chunk of my creative passion again. And I made, uh, you know, a lot of notes while I was reading the book. And I just thought I would share that with you. And I hope you actually enjoy that. So the section that we're at right now, the chapter that we're at in the book is about readers. Now, I kind of change it a little bit. I think it should be called audience. Well, obviously, because if you write things, people read it. But 
we're living in 2020 right now and everything is about audience. However you capture the attention of people and have them enjoy your work, this is kind of the currency that we live in today. And I really, really would suspect that there's going to be a time when we're going to live and die by the attention we're able to get online. It's not here right now, but mark my words, you heard it here first. So this section starts off with saying that the value of a professional artist is directly proportional to your value to your audience. Let's kind of dive into that because what I realized with the illustrations that I did um, or that I'm, that I'm doing is that if, if people can't really take much out of what I create, then there's not that much to enjoy. You know what I mean? So th most of the people on my Instagram that like and comment on my work are my friends. And so when they like and comment, it's more of a support as friend to friend. And some of the stuff that I was realizing was, okay, if I'm going to make the jump from attracting the attention, read, you know, the likes, comments, and shares from my friends, and I want likes, comments, and shares from strangers and the, the you know, people on the internet, I, I have to stop creating work that mostly appeals to me. And again, we're talking about the in intersection between stuff that I like to draw or create and the stuff that people like to consume. And, you know, that was kind of humbling to think about. Like, nobody wants to think that their work is really only liked by their friends and family. That might be nice, but if your goal like mine was to... Uh, you know, Garno and and amass a suitable, sizable following. I mean, you know, I'm not out here thinking I'm going to get a million followers any, anytime soon. But if you're going to hit the 10K, 20K, 30K or more mark, there has to be kind of a universal appeal to your work. And... When I had that thought, and as humbled as I was, I, I actually went back through my feed and I started to look at some of the people that I followed. And I asked myself, why do I follow these people? Why do I even care so much about what they do that I'm willing to follow their work on that social platform? And every single time I open up this app, I made it so that their work shows up and I can see their work. There's a part of me that wanted my experience to have more of their work in my life. And that was the value I got. The value was I am happy whenever I see this person's work. Something about that brought me joy. And I was looking through it and I, I kind of categorized them into a couple different categories. One, their work Set, they, their work embodied something that I wanted in my work, meaning maybe they were using colors in a very interesting way. And I thought to myself, wow, I really like the way this person uses colors. I want to follow them. I want to see more of that. 
Maybe it was, this person has such an amazing mastery of human anatomy. That's so cool. I want to follow that. I want more of that in my life. Um, this person has such a cool way of taking photographs. I feel like this picture is almost more real than real life. I want more of that in my life. I want to look at images like that. And all these different ideas and all these different categories started springing up in my mind that there was a reason why I followed these people. I remember specifically for one, every time I looked at this person's work, it was as if even even though she was posting um, simple images, when I saw that image, I created a whole story in my head for that split second that I saw it. And looking at her images made me feel more creative. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that amazing? Like looking at her work sparked in me a sense of creativity. And if I were to, you know, maybe watch her draw or, or interview her or talk to her or something, I think that person would be a highly creative individual and more than likely she was probably thinking about those very same thoughts while creating that image so all of that creativity and story making and world building got put into this tiny image so that when i interacted with it all of that stuff started coming out at me and i started to unfold that stuff and so I started to look back at my work. I said, okay, well, what, what is it that people get out of my work? Um, and what can I start to push? What, like how much more can I start stuffing into my work? And I'm not even talking about images here. I'm talking about maybe I can create a more interesting story around the stuff that I make, right? It could still be the same amount of complexity. It can take the same amount of time to draw, but the creative richness that I'm bringing to it, maybe I can push more of that into it. And because I'm doing that, when somebody else looks at my work, they think, oh, wow, I have to share this. I want more of this in my life. Like we're all looking for sparks of joy and we're all looking for um, moments and images that take us somewhere, I think. Even, even us creative people, um, even, I'm going to name them normal people, you know, non-creatives, even though I don't believe that. I, I believe every person on this planet is creative in some way. They just do it differently. But I think doing stuff like that, right brings value to your audience and i think it also helps to attract the audience as people start sharing it as people start thinking more about what they're seeing right as human beings we really have this amazing ability to draw things out of things meaning we like to fill um we like to fill the the holes in stuff. That's why I love uh, 2D animation so much because there's so much that you can leave 
undrawn that our brains fill in. And I think, you know, that's kind of where, where it separates uh, where it separates itself between 2D and 3D animation. I like 3D animation, but I love 2D animation because it's so infinitely malleable that I think it engages that imaginative side of our brains even more. So moving on. The book starts to talk about the overwhelming majority of readers want to be lost in a story in some dreamlike way. And that means understanding how to create the magic of those dreams and deliver it in the most satisfying way. I think that's the toughest part of what we do as creative people is trying to deliver the story of our work and of our products in a way that gives people joy every time they interact with it. And this could be an original character that you've made. This could be a new spin on fan art, maybe, that you're making. But there's something that has to be said about learning and understanding how to get people deeper and more lost in the dream of what you do right there is there's this there's this kind of magic that surrounds the creative aspect of what we do and it's it's something that i really want to continue to sharpen my sword with it's it's something that i want to continue to go deeper in continue to master and continue to just study and learn everything that i can because the more you learn, again, it's like keeping the attention. Like we've all been, we have all been there. Let's just be honest. We've all been there when we're watching something and, you know, we're maybe watching a movie or we're watching some show and we're just taken out of it, right? We're taken out of it and we just think, ah, oh, like what was that director thinking or something somebody said some kind of dialogue that somebody said was just like oh that was kind of cringier that was really weird you know it's those kind of those tiny slip-ups that make people fall out of the magic and so we're going on to say okay can you find a way to challenge your audience but also not expect them to embrace that challenge and we're going, we're going deeper into it, right? So have the courage to ask yourself if you're starting to cross boundaries that separates, and kind of follow me here, that separates true artistic enterprise from self-indulgence. And I think what he's trying to say here is sometimes you're trying to push a certain message you're trying to push like this this message in your work that might be too deep right it's something that is just maybe overly complicated and it's very very hard to grasp maybe in the time slot that you have is there a way that you can make that more simple and when he says true artistic enterprise like sometimes again it's almost like fine art versus, you know, fan art. <laughs> it's like on one end you have fine art where it's just a red dot on a white canvas and it's being sold for $10 trillion. 
but you have someone who slaves for 120 hours on a comic book cover and it's just the craziest most awesome artwork you've ever seen and you know the comic book gets sold for $15 I think what we're trying to do is find the balance where we're pushing artistic boundaries in the ways that we see beneficial to us but we're also not expecting people to like come along for some of these more uh crazy crazy rides and you've probably seen some of them in other people's artwork where you really have to question it's like what was this person smoking like what are you doing what is it what am i watching right now you know <laughs> like why did you think this was okay and i'm keeping it vague because you know there's so many different things that we experience that i want you to think of these moments and tr almost try not to do that like there are certain tropes that I think are beneficial to follow. You know, like the hero's journey is a trope. There's there's no story that's ever been told that follows the redemption journey of a character that, you know, goes to a far distant land, learns something and comes back to defeat or surmount some challenge. That's practically every single story. Now, what if somebody decided, you know what, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be original. I'm going to be, I'm going to tell a story that's so splendiferously awesome. It's going to be so cool that it's going to be the coolest. And they're like, you know what, I don't care about the hero's journey. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have the hero already a hero. But then he goes and defeats God, and then he becomes God, right? But then he didn't know that that's what God was planning all along. And so he gets sent to hell, right? And he becomes the ruler of hell. But then he's like, I don't want to be that. I want to be something else, right? And so he goes to earth to try and figure out how to beat God, right? But then here's a twist. God knew that all along. Boom. End scene, end story. Does this person win the Oscar or not? Probably not. <laughs> Let's be honest. That was a wild story that made almost no sense. And if you are questioning yourself listening to that, I don't blame you. Because it didn't follow any structure. You ought to be probably more than likely was... You probably couldn't follow along with what was going on. If you thought that was cool, reach out to me. I want to hear why you think that was cool. I'm, I'm pretty curious and I'm open-minded. <laughs> so, this is, this is kind of, you know, what we're, what we're dealing with here. It's, it's understanding how to use things that have already been used to convey a certain message. But only making slight twists and slight tweaks to it and, and have those slight changes represent our originality. It's kind of an affront to how unique we want to be all the time as creative people. But I think it does take a, a, a level of humility to accept the structure of a story and the structure of how things have always been done. And only make slight changes. Um, now, the last thing that... <laughs> The book says which I could not agree with more 
is for the love of everything don't fall in love with your work just don't and that is hard to do because of how long it takes like think about it illustrators every mark on that page every pixel we push it takes hours upon hours to really create some some work you know and you know if you shoot video and and you're you're into film that takes sometimes weeks or months or maybe even years to finish and now somebody on the internet is telling you not to love your work but let me let me kind of describe that just a little bit what does it mean to not love your work i think it's kind of like this and this is my interpretation but i kind of hope that it will be helpful to you to not love your work i think means to not take it so seriously meaning you don't love it so much that you're not willing to tell yourself i can do better but you don't hate your work so much that you can't see the areas that you actually did well in and maybe with some extra polishing that could be your strength as a filmmaker you know and every filmmaker every illustrator every creative person has a strength has a style and has a thing that they're known for think michael bay what's michael bay known for massive explosions these aren't pew pew explosions these are boom boom explosions right and so whenever you see like you could watch a film and tell it's a michael bay film because that's the the thing he was known for and that's the thing he was most drawn to and that's in you as well but it takes not falling in love with your work to get to that point to get to the point where you can put something that you made and people who have only been somewhat exposed to your stuff can tell yeah i i know this must have been made by this person so you know to kind of wrap everything up i think like put it put it this way throw a party for the people that you know that you're serving like if you're in the genre of vampires and werewolves there's stuff that those people really 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 like to see when it comes to the storytelling when it comes to the imagery if you're in the you know uh witchcraft and wizards and wizardry genre there's stuff that they like to see and there's stuff that they come to expect and it's not like you can't change a little part of it like i don't know maybe harry potter i don't know man like two two people from hogwarts <laughs> please forgive me but two people from hogwarts maybe watched some anime and you know they they were really into the gundam series and they found a way to i'm so sorry they found a way to make two you know massive robots fight each other right we're still in the genre of the you know wizards and witches but for a brief moment we have anime style gundam fighting but that that's not the whole genre but like for a brief moment it shows itself right there and i think that's kind of where you'll show your originality that's such a weird way to to encompass that example but you get the point so thank you for joining me 
Uh, it's Richie, High Performance Artist Podcast. I hope this was fun. I hope this was enjoyable for you. Write a review for me. Like, click, share, subscribe. Tell your mom, your friends, and your dog, and your cat, and your plants. I'll join you, and you'll join me next time. That was a weird way to end it, but I'll talk to you real soon.